0: Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go. Welcome in to another episode of the uh, Buffalo Nerd. So this one's bright and early for me. Uh, I got 8 a.m. on my time here. It's a Friday, you know, 521. The reason we're doing such an early start is because uh, today I'm joined by a super special guest uh, from, I guess people like to say the other side of the pond. I'm not really sure why we call it a pond or where that came about or whatever, but I've got Tom Kisslingberry with me today. Uh, and Tom's in England. And uh, the reason that I really want to chat with Tom is he's a besides doing a ton of other things that he does, he's a big time defensive guy. And he put out this thing that I I started digging into. I mean, I geeked out when I saw it. I mean, the thing is, it's incredible. Uh, Just so everybody knows, it's not super favorable to the Bills necessarily. Um, So we'll just get that out of the way to start. Um, But welcome in, Tom. I'm super excited to chat with you. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks very much indeed. Uh, a pleasure to be here and, and pleasure for having me. So thank you very much. Um, as you can hear, I'm, I'm an Englishman. Uh, that's desperately in love with football and I have been for a long time so I sort of got into football uh, in the late 90s really the the first game I ever watched the Packers uh, Broncos Super Bowl so that tells you how old I am and I just fell more and more in love with football um, and learned more and enjoyed it more as time went on mainly because it's really complicated and I I, I felt like I was always learning new things Um, and that's it it's just been continuing for the last 20 plus years really so I tend to focus a bit more on the defensive side of the ball because I think it's really interesting and complicated and you know There's a million people that that can talk about wide receivers and running backs and people carry the ball all day, but that's not what football is. Football is interesting because of the cat-and-mouse-ness of it. Um, So I like learning about defence, about how it actually works, about what is going on beyond the obvious things, um, and that makes me happy. So I write about it and I talk about it, and um, fortunately I'm in a position now where I can actually have good conversations about football with people from around the world, and that's really cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's awesome that, you know, being out that not only because I know there's a Bills Mafia that's in the UK as well, right? So I mean, there's guys that have shows over there that are Bills Mafia and things like that. So I know it's really taking storm over there for, you know, for when the NFL started making the moves over there. So football is a big thing over there. And it's cool that and it's exciting to hear you talk about it like that, right? Because it's it's very fun to just kind of dive into football. And I know a lot of people just think it's well, it's 11 on 11. It's like, well, yes, I mean, it's 11 on 11, but there's a lot going <laughs> into that 11 on 11, right? There's a lot of money being spent, so a lot of people are being paid to do certain things, right? So there's there's a lot taking place when, besides the 11 on 11. So the document is incredible. I mean, it's like 586 pages. I mean, it's it covers every team, uh, does a little breakdown on every team. And then at the end, it kind of even gives you a breakdown. If you're not real familiar with defense, it gives you a breakdown of a lot of the defenses and what they're meant to do and what. They're vulnerable to and that kind of stuff. So, like the doc I mean, the thing is incredible. Like I said, when I started looking at it, I was like, this is awesome. I got to the Bills and I was like, Well, I'm not sure if I really like this guy that much, but <laughs> 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 but sometimes the, the honest truth is the best truth, right? So as I started looking at it, I was like, you know what? I can't really argue with what I'm what is being said in this about the team right now, and it's it's very fun. But we'll get into that before we dive too much into the football stuff. As we like to do every week on the nerd, as we like to shout out, you know, a charity or an organization that's doing, you know, positive things, helping out their communities, all that good stuff. So this week, um, obviously Tom got to choose who the charity is going to be and he chose to highlight CJD. And so Tom, why don't you go ahead? Cause honest, I don't think most people are going to know about CJD uh, as you sent it to me and I started researching it, I was not very familiar with it. So it's very cool. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about it and why you chose it?
1: Um. It, yeah, it's a it's a horrible disease, and thankfully, not many people do know much about it. And I would, I would wish nobody knew about it. Um, it's Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, so it's a neurological disease. Um, over here in the UK and Europe, uh, it's commonly known for being related to what was called Mad Cow disease, uh, bovine spongy form encephalopathy. Anyway, it's a brain disease, and it sort of messes up your brain, and and you get fairly rapid uh neurological decay and, and there's no cure uh it's fatal and it sucks um my father-in-law had it a few years ago so we suddenly we had to learn quite a lot about it and it was it was pretty painful and pretty unpleasant um but there were a few charities that were involved that really helped a lot helped us and helped him um so when i can i'd like to do something for them
0: yeah. I mean, it's very cool. And I mean, it's straightforward. I want, you know, when they go to the website, I mean, it tells you the information a little bit about it, but it's really straightforward. All they're trying to really do is raise money for research because that's where they're at at this point, right? Is there's no cure for it. They're not really sure what's going on with it yep. from what I gathered. Right. So it's pretty much, they just need to do research to try to figure out what's going on. And that's what, that's what this is all about. Basically the cure CJD.org is where you'll be able to go, you know, to, to find more information about them. And, you know, obviously all that stuff will be in, the show notes. But yeah, I always like to, you know, find out about new charities. And it's interesting to see because there's always, you know, some kind of tie to it for the person. So it's cool that, you know, people are, you know, comfortable and feel cool that they can talk about that kind of stuff and tell me because we've all had those kinds of things, right? I mean, you know, my mom passed away from cancer. You know, I have a son with cerebral palsy. There's things that are taking place with all of us every day, whether you're in the United States or the United Kingdom or wherever you are. It doesn't change that this stuff is happening everywhere, right? So it's still a cool organization. It's still something that maybe if you go look I'm sure there's probably an organization here in the United States that's doing the same thing right so there's there's a local chapter of it I'm sure that you could find too so like we always do it'll be available for you so you can find out more if you can donate that's awesome Uh, if you can just spread it around that's awesome too you know it's it's cool to talk about these things as well so thanks a lot for bringing that up Tom really appreciate it
1: so thank you Uh, it's really cool I'm doing something for a good cause
0: do you want to go ahead and start tearing apart the bills now? Or uh, I know he's not going <laughs> well, to yeah, talk but about the bills, I over so... some topics and I'm like, I'm like, let's talk about the bills defense. And he was like, yeah, I mean, we can do that, but it's really boring. Right. And <laughs> wow, if you go look at this I, document, you'll see why that. he says that. So tell so me, so me a little bit about, about this document. Right. So, yeah.
1: Uh, so, the document was put together uh, basically to go into last year. So it's 2020 document. So there are a lot of things in there, the, the way I see football, the way I describe it and the terms I use and things like that, because defense is is pretty badly understood, I think. Um, it, it took me a lot of learning and paying attention to get my head around defense because there's just not a lot of resources out there. And, and those are pretty basic and pretty poor, to be honest. There's a lot of assumptions just wrong. So what I did was I, I always – spend time studying every defense but I, I looked at every single defense last year and i watched a, a lot of football i did a lot of a data analysis and i tried to define how defenses were different what they were good at how what they were bad at how they varied how they attacked teams how they acted how they rotated personnel blah 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 all those different things um 'Cause normally you, you ask somebody and say, What's their defence? and they'll they'll say, Oh, it's a four three or a three four and that's it which is just laughable, right? You'd never it's say, just... Oh, what's that offence like? And you go, Oh, they they do screens. And that's it (laughs) and it's just it's so inadequate so i I think we the football business are not very good at giving people enough information and giving people enough insight to be able to talk about how defense different so i wanted to do that so um the bills are the bills are really interesting oh we should talk about a general level of 2020 before we do anything so first off i'm I'm sure everyone knows this anyway 2020 was awful it was the worst year for defense in living memory Mm -hmm. um so before last year we had all those conversations right if you don't have proper pre-season like we had last year with covid and lockdown then what would happen would it would it impact the timing between receivers and uh, and quarterbacks or offensive linemen or defensive players more and and now we know and the answer is emphatically it hurts defense way way more so numbers were just so bad across the board and the only hypothesis has to be it was because of um lockdown and not having a chance to do things together really hurt them you know defense is only as strong as its weakest link not its best player so fundamentally different. Um, so, so defense is bad. Find the Bills defense wasn't great, but you know that's against the backdrop of everyone being bad. Um, but you, you sort of mentioned it. I, sadly, I think it's a really boring defense. It's the most rigid defense in the league. Um, defense is super variable and super flexible. We always talk about it as an offense, right? You're going, oh, we need to create mismatches and you're going to put your receiver in his space and you move him all around the formation, like moving someone to a different spot is some sort of cheat code. Um, but obviously defenses react to that they don't just stand there going oh they've they've put a receiver out uh, wide let's just carry on um they changed this so so defense is becoming more and more flexible and more complicated um safety is the most interesting position in the nfl in my uh thought because safety is not not a guy who lines up deep anymore safety is the big fast strong guy that can do anything on the field all of a sudden it's, it's not really safety is it's a swiss army knife um So you've got a lot of teams that are investing in multiple safety uh, looks. Uh, Sort of traditional dime is disappearing a little bit and, and big dime is now standard across the NFL. But the Bills are one of the most rigid defenses. They basically go, well, we we play 45 nickel and that's it and our nickel's got a cornerback in in uh in the slot and we're going to have our four uh linemen and we're basically going to put them in the same alignment every snap and they sort of never change so there's there's not a lot of variation from snap to snap when you watch the bills i mean it's solid it's not terrible defense they were they had some problems last year but it's not awful i mean what do you think when you look at the bills defense but apart from i love you bills obviously
0: well and so i i actually don't do the love you bills and i since we since i read it started reading the document i went back and i looked a lot at like trey man i've been specifically i started watching him just very closely on the field in some games and stuff like that so i i agree i've thought that leslie frazier has been vanilla the entire time he's been the bill's defensive coordinator they've always been the bend but don't break right i mean they that's how their mentality has been the past few years under sean mcdermott and leslie frazier they they had years where they are successful. This last year, it felt very blah, and you didn't see as – as you go back and you watch it, and you watch it slower and slower, and you, you just kind of look at it and go, you don't really see anybody flashing around or anything exciting happening. It really is just they want to just line up and just be like, our best guy is going to try to beat your best guy, and that's how we're going to go. But that just doesn't work when you don't have players that aren't – you know, com- and competing up to their level or being able to, you know, we'll get into some of the guys that you talk about a little bit in that that aren't stepping up. And I think a lot of the Bills Mafia is on board with those two players specifically that you mentioned Ed Oliver and Traymond Edmonds. There is some real question about if they can produce or not in this system. But I agree with you. It is very, it's very blah. I mean, in the past, I've seen where we've been better when we're kind of flying around and you don't see that as much. And I agree that it is, because they didn't have the offseason. But I also feel like maybe that's why we were so generic this last season was because they wanted to just keep it simple because they didn't have the extra time to put in the extra packages. And they had a unit that was pretty much kept together, right? So they didn't really have to change very much. They should know what we're doing, right? It's just a matter of can they compete at the level we need them to. And last year we saw that they couldn't.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, th- that's a really good way of summing up. To be honest, there was there was definitely not many stars on on that defense last year. You talk about Ed Oliver, and really it was all set up for for him to step forward and be really good, and it, it just didn't happen. I, I thought Ed Oliver was really disappointing last year, and I, I'd love him to be good. I really want him to turn into the player we want him to be. Same with Tremaine Edmonds, and 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 he's just not. Um, he's not very good. Let, let's start out talking about Edmonds a little bit because that's probably going to be a little bit uh, of of. Of a negative story and I don't think people will take it very well but a general linebacker thing that happens quite a lot right if you ask somebody who the best linebackers in the NFL are at the moment they're probably going to say um, Devin White pretty close to the top of the list um, and the reason is because most of the time we watching football very much me included as well watch the ball right because it's exciting we want to see passes and we want to see touchdowns stuff like that and and you only watch defense when they do something and when the commentator calls his name out which they do quite often for Devin White because he's a pass rusher right Devin White's done it again in the Devin White. uh, Brilliant. Devin White was MVP at Super Bowl. Blah, 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 blah. He was so good. Obviously, he wasn't. That's what people were saying. Um, What happens with linebackers specifically is their name never gets called for being a bit rubbish in zone coverage and allowing completions. (laughs) No commentator ever says that about a linebacker. And that's the biggest problem linebackers have. Because you know offences are smart and, and trying to isolate a linebacker in in zone or man is basically the best way to attack them um and Tremaden was sadly a- allows that quite a lot he, he gets picked on he gets targeted quite a lot because he's not particularly good at stopping the pass so um I, I appreciate a lot of people love him and he's got the trifecta right he's got two out of three he's got long memorable hair and he was a first round pick if if only he had a really interesting crazy name then you know everyone would think he's good forever right Jadavian Clowney right he's, he's He's got the crazy hair. He's got the name. He's got the first round pick. So people are going to think Jadavian Clowney is good uh, for all time. But Tremaine edmond got two out of three, so not too bad. Um, there's There's got to be a decision based on him, right? Because the team seem to be quite happy with him. But I, I don't think he's worth that crazy big money. I, I think Matt Milano is a, is a better player. Now, fine, he wasn't last year. He was injured. He was in and out of the team. When he came back, he was sort of sharing with AJ Klein, of all people. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't a good year for Milano. But I, I think over the last two or three years, he's been the better player.
0: Yeah, it's interesting so uh, on Edmonds as I went back and I was watching that's the first thing I thought because coming into this last season you know the offseason here we were talking about is it going to be Milano is it going to be Darrell Williams who are they going to keep like they're only going to be able to keep one of them so who are they going to keep and I was on the Williams train saying I would much rather just keep the tackle and let Milano go because I felt like we could fill the need but then when I put on the film to watch Edmonds all I see is Milano flashing around. I can't take my eyes He's off really of good. him. right? I can't take my eyes off of him. I'm trying to watch Edmonds, but I know what Edmonds is going to do because it's going to be kind of just – slow and a little methodical and getting eaten up by the blocker when Milano's like flying around doing things and you see him covering the field and doing all these things so as you slow down and watch it he he does clearly look like the more effective whether he's a good better player or not he's more effective in what he's doing right now than what Edmonds is right whether Edmonds could be a better player than him and just hasn't found his way in it um but I agree. It's it's coming up to the point where in the whole he's young, you don't want to give up on a young guy. Well, yes, he's young, and he's going to cost money because he's young. And is he truly going to be that much better to where if you're going to be this vanilla defense, I, I'm not sure he's active enough or aggressive enough to really represent what that defense needs him to be if that's how they're going to operate. And a little bit on the Ed Oliver thing, I actually – like. Was star being out that killed him, right? He wasn't meant to be really in that position. right? Star is supposed to be eating up some of what he was supposed to be facing. So I'm I'm actually hoping that we will see the breakout this year from him because he should have somebody next to him that's gonna be a little more help. And I'm hoping that this resurgence of youth is gonna actually cause some kind of mix up at least where can we go back to the days where we stunt at least a little bit like give me a stunt I would take a stunt at this point right like that like we don't even do that anymore I don't feel like but I agree with your assessment really on both of those guys and I know the Edmonds thing like it's a sticking point for the mafia there it's you know you're either love them or you hate them and there's a lot of folks that I think really pay attention to what's going on that see that he's just he's not he's not there. He's not everything you would expect him to be. Cause if you go back and look at his measurables, he's supposed to be like, he's hundred percentile in linebacker. He has like every trait. Right. he's young you and he's a crazy. Athlete. Yeah. He has every trait that you could want. Even his weight to height to arms to hand ratio is all like almost a hundred percent. Right. So it's like you, you want it to work and maybe it will. I, I just, to me it, watching and it, it feels a little delayed all the time. And he he's yeah. like he's way too high when he engages linemen and he gives up and he gets beat up by linemen immediately because they're bigger and heavier than he is. And he tries to get his hands on them, but he comes so high, they just like gently move him out of the way. Right. He, I don't feel like <laughs> I feel like if he would just like would get a little more bend or figure out a different angle to come at some of these guys, he would be much more disruptive than what he is right now.
1: Right. I don't know, you got Being me bashing him athlete, now. Uh, linebacker is just... <laughs> he's an easy target. Because um, he, he, he doesn't... It's just not a very exciting role as well. Uh, he's playing that that sort of linebacker. and I don't want to say Mike because yeah, it's meaningless and it doesn't really mean anything. But he, he is he is absolutely not out there making plays as much as as um Jordan Poyer and Matt Milano is. So I I'm not sure that's worth eleven million a year or whatever the hell he's gonna he's gonna pay on his second contract. I, I hope he turns it around, I hope he looks good, but unconvinced at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm in the same boat and when you in the way that you have to judge it as you mentioned some of these other guys is like when you put on the tape of those other guys you see them flashing around you see them being disruptive. Now granted I don't know exactly what he's being asked to do, right? Right now it looks like he's being asked to just eat up the block and, and just like hold his lane yeah, I guess, a lot of that. but you know, that's what it looks there's like. A most lot of of the there's time. a lot of that, there's a lot of play in shallow zone. Sorry. Yeah, no, I Yeah, I'm standing around in i've been watching a lot of him really getting ready to talk to you i really started focusing in on him because he is a hot topic and it was like yeah it's really easy to see and if you if he doesn't go too shallow and he gets even further back then the coverage is going to be even worse i mean you're going to lose he has to be close to the line or he has to be like perfectly lined up you see i was watching uh, against new england i think it was week 16 or whatever and Cam Newton was just using him and abusing him with his calls, right? You could see <laughs> that he was like, he it was clearly like he was just off a little bit the entire time. You'd be the play would go and he'd be like, "There's the hole, go hit it," and no, he would be outside and he'd be getting eaten up. And it was like, "Wait, there's the hole, go!" No, you're going the wrong way. Wait, no, you're not going the right mm-hmm. way. And Cam Newton is doing that to him, so I, I do feel like he gets toyed <laughs> with a little bit, and that hurts him. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, but- going up against Belichick game planning is, is pretty difficult, right? It's, it's no, it's no shock being uh, mentally outmaneuvered when you are up against him and uh, McDaniel's. But I, I agree. I I think that whole defense. We'll talk about things they need to do better, and there is a few obvious things as well. But they they need to get much better at adapting to different game plans and different sorts of teams next year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting because they, they seem to be one of the teams that I would say are better prepared, but it, for some reason, it maybe it is just because they're keeping the defense so vanilla that they don't have very much that they really are having to prepare for. But they they have extreme confidence in the back end, or I, we can't even really call it the back end because Poyer's down in the box probably more than he is in the back end. But they're so confident in the back end, I feel like that they, they don't get as aggressive, which feels really weird to me that if you have that much confidence – in your two guys at the back why you're not more aggressive especially when you have a star cornerback who can hold up his own against just about anybody in the league right like I feel like we're set up to be a defense that's a lot more aggressive than what we are
1: I, it's a really good point actually and a, a few people have made the case that maybe the the bills were bad at what they were bad at defensively last year on purpose um because you, you win in in the nfl by defending the past really well uh, and the bills know that they're smart so the theory goes who knows if it's true that will basically be super tight and super sound on the back end and if teams want to run it on us for you know four and a half yards of pop good luck because you're not going to beat us that way um and it if it, it's easy to say that now from the outside looking in and maybe we're we're adding two and two and making five but it worked uh, they won a lot of games they're a really competitive uh, team last year and overall the defense you know although it wasn't a strength sort of held up their end of the bargain um so if, if you can get teams just to run on you that's fine as long as they're not you know taking over and abusing you for 300 yards or whatever and it didn't really happen last year so maybe it's on purpose and and if you were doing that then you know you wouldn't go crazy on blitzes and you wouldn't run a huge number of stunts and, and things like that you just sort of let the the offense come at you so I, we might be giving them much more credit than they deserve here uh, by saying they were bad at stopping the run on purpose. But it, it, it's definitely possible. Uh, I don't think it's it's a right. crazy suggestion. We should talk about um, the the edge whilst we're at it as well. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I, I think that's yeah. really interesting.
0: Yeah, because so obviously rush wise last year, we I, didn't I, get I, pass pretty rush. good. Yeah? yeah, Thought
1: it was I'm, decent uh, last year? They, they didn't. I thought it was effective. I I didn't think they blitzed a lot and I didn't think they were a big pass rush team. Um, and because of game scripts and and the way it was going then they didn't really need to so that's a bit of chicken and egg around there but I thought they were effective I thought they got a lot done considering the pass rush was basically um, a flat four-man line on every single snap uh, and Quinton Jefferson not doing nearly as much as Ed Oliver and then that sort of deep rotation uh, on edge that the Bills have used for several years and clearly having drafted uh, Rousseau and Epinesa last year and uh, Carlos Basham Mm -hmm. they're planning on continuing you know, it's going to be four or five guys on the edge every single game as it has been.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you you felt like they weren't doing that well, but they were doing well. It was just they never, both sides were never effective at the same time, right? It was either like Jerry had a good game and then the other side was like non-existent or the other side was good and Jerry had like not a not a good game. It was like they could just never actually get it together. And I don't know if that's because of the rotation or I've always been a fan of the rotation because I, th- I like the idea of keeping a fresh guy and letting him go. But I also can yeah. see the piece of it where a guy wants to get in there and just work and keep working and keep working so he can really see what the guy's up to that he's going against to try to beat him, right, and, and really get in the mode and try to really get after it. But I feel like with these young guys, I mean, that's you, – you watch – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl with defense. I mean, you mentioned it kind of a moment ago that the Bills defense wasn't terrible, but if our offense wasn't as good as it was, it could have been completely different, right? So, I think yep. this offseason we really went big, long, tall, and fast at the edge, right? I mean, like, hey, let's let's try something different. Plus, we are sitting with two guys at 33 and 34 years old that are your primary yeah. rushers right now, right? So, something's got to give and you got to find it fast or you're going to take a big hit on Yeah, ethos. I've been an,
1: Sorry, I I've, I've been an enormous fan of Jerry Hughes. I think he's been a really good player for a long time, but he's he's not a good finisher. Um, he, he creates a lot of pressure, but doesn't really finish a lot of them off. And you're totally right. He, he's not getting any younger. So I, I think it's a fascinating example. Um, we, we fans in the NFL, you know, team draft someone in the, in the first two, maybe three rounds, and we go, oh, he's they, definitely going to be a star because they draft him really early. They must have a plan. And I think NFL teams have really figured out that actually. Any draft pick is, is total lottery and a gamble. As much as, as their GM will say, you know, only I know what's happening. You have to give me a million dollars a year because I can see the future. Um, right. But they'll draft someone like Gregory Russo. Even two or three years ago, that would have happened. And, and everyone at home would have gone, well, of course, he's going to play every single snap because it's first-round pick. He must do. Um, and the Bills are going into this with their eyes open. They're going, you know, oh, we don't want him to do that. We, we want him to play 30. 35 snaps a game and ex- exactly the reason you've been talking about right which is a, a bunch of really big ends so Russo, Basham, AJ Epidaza is huge my boy FA Abada London's yeah. very own yep. big fan of Abada here um, you know a rotation of those four guys with a bit of and with a bit of Jerry Hughes who are definitely much smaller speedier rushers nose that's just really hard work over the course of 65 snaps much more so than you know your, your rookie getting knackered and not really doing a lot after the the third quarter so I I think it's really set up for for the Bills defense to carry on being sound efficient but not spectacular and pretty boring
0: yeah I think they're just looking for that one guy that just kind of becomes a little bit of the superstar right that's what they're hoping for is just let's just keep rolling them out there we're going to stay consistent we're going to keep being just good at what we do hopefully the offense keeps scoring points and maybe one of these guys is going to turn into something Exceptional, right? I mean, that's all we can really hope for at this point because they're not, especially now. I don't think we're going to be in a position again where we're going to be drafting towards the top for a long time where we're going to truly be able to get like that game changing. Defensive edge, you know where you're gonna come up and get that guy like that's not gonna happen in our future anytime soon I don't think and we definitely aren't gonna be spending the money because we're gonna have to pay Josh Allen So I don't think we're going out and getting any expensive defensive ends in free agency Anytime soon in the near future either So we're in a position where it's gonna have to happen through the draft So we're gonna have to see if Brandon Bean is as good as he's appeared to have been so far in you know in <laughs> drafting I mean they're at least keeping a good solid team together at this point so
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, no no team, no GM is really good at drafting. You just get lucky for a few years and then it all goes horribly wrong because the draft is is terrible like that. But i I, just looking at the pass rush. I'm just calling off numbers um, because, you know, that tends to be what I do. But last year, the Bills, in terms of pure pressure, 310 pure pressure in the regular season, which is good for 55th overall in 352 teams in the last 11 years so they're generating a lot of pressure but you said it it, it's not spectacular and there's not one guy out there who the commentators names are screaming and it's not one guy getting 150 of those pressures like aaron donald or some crazy interior player it's just consistent pressure all all the way through the defense which is how the the patriots have rushed the passer for years right the patriots don't generate star pass rushes they're just a really good pass rushing team
0: And, and that's not a bad template Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I've been saying that for the longest time. It's like you you had the playbook in your division. I mean, they showed you for 17 years how to build a successful team, right? It doesn't necessarily need stars. It's great if you can get them or somebody can burst onto the scene and become a star for your team. That's awesome. But it's interesting. 55 out of 352, you said.
1: Yeah, so so pressures are up there. So just slight expectation. I last 11 years is really difficult, right? But, you know, I've used this database, so it should be 10, I should change it. But out of all those 352 teams, 32 times 11, obviously, um, they were 55th in total pressures, which is great. If you look at sack efficiency, i.e. how many of those pressures you turn into sacks, they were 250th out those 352 right. so way down the bottom so basically you've got a team that's generating a load of pressure it's getting quarterbacks face and making their life difficult but not putting them on the floor and that's a bit of a jerry hughes thing to do anyway um but that's happening over over the whole team so if, if you if someone said uh, talk to you about a defense like that you'd, you'd probably have someone like the bills in your mind right you'd go that's an effective way to build a defense across the year it's just dull and not very memorable and probably a lot of people don't know how good they were because that you know like you and, and me they're not watching uh bill's defense uh, man by man
0: right so i mean and it would change incredibly if they just finished right if they got eight more sacks than they had the previous year even that would change completely it it, i mean especially watching it as a fan and as a actually watching it when you can bring the guy down i mean that makes all the world to the fan and you know but the fact that they're that good as far as getting there is still a positive sign right Uh, it doesn't seem to reflect that well in the running but i mean that's a positive (laughs) i know
1: honestly it it fluctuates anyway so we tend to believe that finishing is a player thing. And we talked about Jerry Hughes being not very good at it. And, the, and there's a few others. Um, Brandon Graham famously is a really bad finisher. And someone like Chandler Jones is a brilliant finisher. But aside from a handful of players who are particularly good or bad at that, it's pretty random and it fluctuates massively season by season, game by game. Uh, and, and the reason is because it's not the pass rush that is defining whether it's a pressure or a sack. It's the quarterback. It's just whether he happens to get the ball out or whether he happens to be looking the wrong way or or whether it happens to get hit as he's throwing it. So, yeah, obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to have high variance. It's going to be a little bit random. And and that's what you're seeing. It's just it happens to look that way. So last year the Packers, um, really bad pass rushing team, not good at all, but they got a huge number of their pressures on the stat sheet in terms of sacks. So people think that uh, the Packers are really good pass rushers and it's just not true.
0: It's interesting. Based on uh, all of your numbers for the season, who was the best overall defense?
1: Uh, the Rams. I, I think Rams. the Rams were the best defense last year. And obviously the, the defensive coordinators left to go and take uh, charge of the Chargers. But similar to what we're talking about, uh, the Bills, the Rams were probably most innovative defense last year and the most effective. So that whole defense was built off, you know, we, we sort of don't really care about in the middle of the defense. We're, we're going to remain gap sound up front because otherwise you'd get absolutely gashed in the running uh, game. So you've got to do that. So we'll roll out our, our little four-man line and weird asymmetric line they run. Basically, Aaron Donald is on one edge and then the other side, you've got Leonard Floyd. I do remember people talking about Leonard Floyd being uh, in the playoffs... Um, one of the commentators said, Leonard Floyd, there's no better pass rusher in in the NFL. We're like, mm, you, you should probably watch any other pass rusher yeah. and, and that'll change, you know, typical uh, nonsense. But anyway, um, and, and they basically played. Oh, sorry. Someone's drilling downstairs. I hope, hope you can't hear that. Oh, that's all right. That's terrifying. Anyway. Um, and on the back end, they were just in dime the whole time, right? It was a, it was a one line Becker defense and they rolled out a third safety most of the season. Um, and, And offenses didn't really see it coming. They didn't really adapt very well. And it was the most sound, most interesting modern defense out there.
0: And I mean, is that safe to say that they're the, they're most able to do it because of Aaron Donald? I mean, does that feel like, is there other defenses that are doing something similar? Yeah, it definitely
1: helps when you've got a, you know, a hall of Famer like that, (laughs) you can build your defense around. Yeah. I, I think, I think other teams did start adapting it a little bit so most notably the Titans and the Giants started doing a lot of that so without getting really dorky college uh, defensive front trends going on at the mint front and the tight front right and the tight is basically a nose tackle and then two defensive ends right out um just shading inside the tackles a sort of a three-man front and you quite often put an extra linebacker up on the line of scrimmage it turns into a tight front there's a bit more but whatever talk about that but both of those defenses quite often look like these real unbalanced defense so you get a big end and a little end you know fairly similar to the old seahawks defense but for the rams that means you've got aaron donald who people talk about as defensive tackle but he's quite often outside lining up or outside the offensive tackle so he's an edge he's playing on the edge of the offensive line and the other side you've got leonard floyd and then uh, the giants famously had leonard williams doing that so leonard williams is a huge guy right drafted as a defensive tackle drafted as whatever that means but in the second half of last year, they pushed him right out wide, and he was playing outside the tackle a lot. And then the other end, uh, they, were, they were ruined, so they had no players. It was just a rotation of people. But, you know, they've got um, Lorenzo Carter, and they just drafted Aziz Ojolari, real small speed rushers like that. So the big guy and the little guy, there's obviously some gap moves and, and some other things going on. And then the Titans, you've got something very similar um Jarrell Casey is sort of out there playing that big role and then they had Harold Landry now that might change with Bud Dupree coming in but I, I think a lot more teams are starting to look at that front um as a real way to attack defenses and it's very interesting
0: yeah, that's it. You notice that a lot. And I think I'm hoping that the bills are going to try to do that a little bit because uh, the guys that we brought in this season can wrote and they've shown in college that they can move around the line a little bit. I think even if you can just get in incorporate that. Right. I mean, it doesn't it just changes like, OK, now their speed is coming from the inside instead of the outside. I mean, even like things like that, I feel like are simple little things that we could do that we don't even really do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you have like the backup is like Trent Murphy and like, I mean, you can only expect him to do so much. Right. I mean, like and as Penenza, he just has not had a chance to learn how to play this game yet. I mean, at this level, he just hasn't had that opportunity yeah. with the no off season and everything like that. So, I mean, this off season I think, will be a huge thing for him, especially when they went right back out and drafted two more guys. Right. So there, you've got to feel like, yeah, well, I totally better step agree. it up immediately or uh, I might not be here for very long. Right. So it's, it's I mean, interesting. The 2020
1: but- rookie class was. But- Sorry, dude. No, go ahead. I, the 2020 rookie class was was awful. Uh, there was a couple of players that did really well, um, but for the most part, they were absolutely awful. And for exactly the reason that you just said, it's because they basically didn't get any hands-on NFL coaching. Their their whole first preseason, which is you know the, the hardest hardest adaptation, was done on a Zoom call. Um, and they didn't really know anybody. And man, we, we all know how difficult that is as we sit here talking to each other from, on the far side of the world. So I, I'm expecting okay. the whole of last year's rookie class to basically look a lot better. And Eponaise is going to be one of those guys, right? Um, so going back to that sort of rotationary edge concept, if you're lining up on one on one snap and you've got Jerry Hughes, you know, little, fast, very wily, very skillful, got a lot of moves, got a good plan. And the next one is AJ Eponaise, who's six foot five and super heavy and basically a raw power um, end. And that's really difficult to adapt, you know, just in terms of, of lineman footwork and, and what your, what your kickstep looks like. You, you're going to get caught out by that sort of player uh, and that sort of contrast.
0: Right. Just absolutely ask you to wait the game plan for so much more. Right. I mean, like you can't, you can't just get, Oh, I'm going to get Jerry Hughes all day. Right. So let me just learn Jerry Hughes. Yeah. Like, well, no, you're going to get Jerry Hughes on this play. You're going to get so-and-so on this play, this play, you're going to get somebody else. So you got to be ready. I mean, I love the concept. I mentioned that earlier. I think it's the way to go. If you can pull it off, you've got to find the right group of guys and it definitely helps if your inside interior guys can, you know, fill their roles as well. And I felt like the year before in, in, I, I don't know I, to me this you've mentioned it a couple of times that no off-season, like a lot of these teams talking about not doing the OTAs and stuff and guys boycotting it and things like that I'm like that feels like craziness to me again that you just you just watch like how bad of a product it can produce and especially for your young players I get some of the vets not wanting to do it or whatever but like your young players and I think I'd read somewhere too like the bills had like 23 players or 25 players that have workout bonuses I mean so you're just asking guys to throw away money as well you know to not show up for just these few things so i i think camaraderie and you know having the game plan and the knowledge of the game plan and not having to change too much is such a huge aspect in the nfl that you can't go without it right i mean it just feels it feels really wrong to go without it
1: i totally agree and especially for a defense like the bills which is which is very much scheme based rather than player based now obviously every defense is scheme based because that sort of an oxymoron but you know this is a defense that prides itself on we've got a very strong and effective and sensible and established plan and everyone knows their role in it going back to that patriots thing rather than we've got a couple of stud def- uh, guys on our defense and we're just going to sort of highlight them as, as much as you can ever highlight anyone on defense because it's reactive
0: right absolutely a hundred percent agree with that so if you were just looking at what's been done so far this offseason by everybody, who are you anticipating is going to be back at the top? I mean, the Rams didn't really change very much, so they could absolutely be back up there, right? I mean, do you think that Tampa Bay's defense is going to be as stout as it was? I mean, is there any, any uh, good team that you think is going to have a good shot at Kansas City? So I, I, don't, I
1: don't think the Rams or uh, the Bucks defense will be as good as they are, but for very different reasons. So the Rams, obviously, the coordinator left you know, one of the brightest, uh, most exciting minds in defensive football has gone. <laughs> he's playing for a for a different right. team. So that'll be really interesting. Raheem Morris has taken over the defence, uh, and he's sort of come out and said the things you'd normally do about we're gonna retain a load of the scheme and blah, blah, blah. But historically Raheem Morris has run a very different system. So right. we'll see what that looks like on the field. But I, I you know, defence is very unstable. They are almost certain not to be the best defence again, so I think it's really gonna hurt. The Bucks are really interesting so the bucks were the most stable defense um last year by a million miles the the number one thing you can do to make your defense uh good is not anyone get injured so you remember that great uh, jacksonville uh, defense 2017 maybe 18 yeah yeah um that was the most incredible defense because no one got hurt Like, no one got hurt all season. I think Miles Jack missed two games or something like that. And they were just very stable and very established and very well-drilled. And they did really well. And last year, the Bucs, no one got hurt. Uh, Vita Vea went down and got hurt. And there was a couple of other sort of one or two game injuries. But they were together all year. It's absolutely incredible. Their two edge rushers played like 900 snaps each. Absolutely amazing. And that's not going to happen again. You know, a, a... more than half of starting NFL defenders miss games every single season, um, and it's you know 30 percent miss at least three games, something like that. So they're just not going to stay as healthy. So I, I definitely think we're going to see some regression from them. Then you got Devin White, that it's just he had such a black swan season in terms of how productive he was from what he was doing. So that's not going to happen again. Um, the Bucks are still a good team; they still might do very well. but It's not going to be there. The defense I most like to repeat um is neither of those i, I think it's washington actually the, the the football team without a name um so last year arguably the best defense in the league were um the Rams, the Steelers were right up there and I would say Washington and they were not very flashy. I mean, everyone talks about Chase Young because, you know, big name and drafted and cool hair and all the normal sorts of things. <laughs> um, but they were just a very, very sound defense and again very good on the back end and not a, a lot of stars in that secondary, apart from Landon Collins who who got hurt um, but but they were very good. The one problem they had was a void of talent at linebacker. You know, John Bostick was their best linebacker and, and then a bunch of other people. I'm, I'm a fan of kevin pierre lewis um he should be a really good player he's a great athlete he can move he can play in the slot all those things he's just not very good and it's never quite happened cole holcomb is just a guy for me but they've gone out there and they've drafted a linebacker in the first uh, round they've basically kept their team together um chase young is you know we said every rookie last year was bad chase young was pretty good and he is going to be a stud this year he he definitely belongs in that top six, seven elite edge rushes. Um, so I, I think they've got the most chance in that, that top echelon from last year of staying there again.
0: Yeah, that's That's exactly what I've been. Every like fantasy thing that I've been doing, that's been my grab is Washington defense. I feel like they just, and especially because I feel like their offense got better as well. So I think they're going to put teams in situations where they're going to have to play catch up a little bit more than they're used to against that team. And it's not going to fare well yep. against that defense because that defense is stout them. I actually like the Giants defense a little bit too. I think they're doing some good things over there. They need some they need some help a little bit, but I, I do like what they're up to. I think they're building a solid defense yeah. over there too
1: <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Giants are really interesting, actually, and we we sort of laugh about the Giants because David Gettleman, ah, he doesn't know what he's doing, and all the sort of typical things. And then you know the offense, <laughs> the offense isn't great because they're built around a terrible quarterback. But defensively, they are so well coached. Joe Judge it appears to be one of the expatriates coaches that really can do those things. He changes his game plan by opponents. He he changes uh, the scheme and the coaching mid season. He's got everyone uh, playing well. And last year, that was a really good defense, probably top ten maybe top top eight at times and they just they seem really really well put together so great shout actually i can't wait to see it the the thing about giants defense i want I want to see what the pass rush looks like. So we talked about that sort of big end and little end and asymmetric fronts. Leonard Williams is fine. He'll he'll look really good there. On the other end you've got Ashani uh, Jimenez you've got Lorenzo Carter and Aziz Odjulari. And all of them have got reasons to be excited but none of them are proven NFL players. So is it going to work? Is one of them going to turn into Leonard Floyd? Maybe. Can can three of them sort of combine into a good season? Maybe. Don't know. But I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, I think I, they intrigue me too. I, it's funny that I think most of the defenses that I'm looking at are all on the NFC side of the ball. I haven't uh, really – there's nobody on the AFC side that I'm like, man, defensively they're just like really scare me. Uh, I don't know that there's any team that's like that right now.
1: Uh, in the AFC, who should we talk about? Um, I don't want to talk about you, you have to talk about the, the Chargers. It's the law. So when you talk about the Chargers in the off season, you have to say they've got the best, most balanced roster in the league and they're really deep defensively. It's just the law. You have to talk about it. I don't believe it. I don't think Inchard is that good. Joey Bosa is an absolute stud, but uh, Derwin James as well. I think there's massive holes on their roster, same as there has been the last few years, to be honest. Let's talk about Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland are really interesting in the AFC. You know, Potentially, Mm. I think I'd be shocked if they're not a playoff team and a real risk to win a game in January at this point. And it's a really well put together and much upgraded defense. And it starts with cornerback, right? Cornerback is... Arguably the most important position on defense. And you've got Denzel Ward, who is a stud. Um, you've got Greedy Williams, who was pretty good, missed last year. And then they drafted Greg Newsome in the first round. So if you get two out of those three looking really good, John Johnson on the back end is, is a fantastic player. Um, a bunch of other talented people who may or may not take off. Miles Garrett, one of the best defenders in, in the NFL, could be a really good defense. Uh, you'll need to get lucky and you'll need a few things to pan out, which we're guessing at the moment. But they, they've certainly got that potential.
0: Yeah, I mean the the cornerback's been their Achilles heel for them just the past couple seasons. It hasn't been the front, hasn't been the safeties. It's just been they haven't been able to find the cornerbacks to really be shut down enough to let that line really eat the way that they could. I think. I think they're. I'm. I'm hoping that we're gonna one day get to experience a Cleveland versus Buffalo in the AFC Championship because it's (laughs) like the most. Like 25 years ago, nobody in their right mind would have ever been like, yeah, that's going to happen, right? And now it's turned into like they both have really good football teams out of nowhere, so it's pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah. Exciting.
1: But, man, that sounds cold. Cleveland-Buffalo in
0: January is just, ooh. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. The Battle of Lake Erie <laughs> for the AFC yeah. Championship. That's what they need to do. But – so let's move into the we're getting close towards uh, kind of wrapping this thing up and i like to move into the nerding out session because uh, i know not that we haven't been nerding out the whole time actually because you're you i just your love of defense is it's so fun to listen to it as you get going and just start chatting and like having fun with it it's a blast but so as we go into the nerding out session what's your favorite book uh, you've obviously probably read a ton of books i'm guessing so what's your favorite sports book <laughs> yeah. or book that you would recommend <laughs>
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, sports book. Oh, and there's a shelf of them downstairs. I. I mean, probably I'd, I'd go for an obscure rugby book, uh, but there's probably not the right audience for that. So I'm going to say War Room. If anybody hasn't read War Room, we've talked about the Patriots and team building quite a lot. I, th- I think it's absolutely brilliant. There, there's so much of mm-hmm. what went into building that great Patriots team and, and a lot of the great coaches, and there's a lot of Dimitrov in there and Scott Pioli and Belichick. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. So if anybody's interested in, in sort of how a really good team was run for a decade, I strongly recommend having a read of that. What was the other question? Uh, favorite over the book. I haven't book. read it. <laughs> You should do it. So I'll I tell you a good book recommendation I'm going to make because I can. Um, Flashman. Everyone should read Flashman. So super, super English, right? Um, so Tom Brown's School Days, a very famous Victorian book about this you know, kid who went to a posh school and basically got bullied. And there's a bully in it called Flashman. And and uh, there's a series of books around him, which is basically him traveling the world, going to war in the 1800s and, and causing trouble and making friends with ladies. Um, you should read Flashman. They're great.
0: Interesting. All right, cool. I want to check that out for sure. So the next one, I think you kind of almost answered this in the very beginning a little bit, but what brought you to the game of football or like, what do you love about the game? What do
1: you love about the game? Oh, man, everything. Uh, it's it's. It's the gift that keeps giving. So I obviously am an Englishman. I come from different sports and, and I come from a soccer, uh, football background and, and played a lot of rugby. And where I am with those is they're relatively simple games to master. Um, so not, not in terms of playing them, because frankly, I was never any good. Um, I was a very average player in both. But understanding them is pretty simple. And there's a bunch of arguments at the top, but they're not tactically that. Deep. There's not that many decisions. It sort of go out and be better at doing certain things on the field. The NFL, I've I've always found was deeper and deeper and deeper. The more I know, the more I realized I didn't know. Um, and it started off with sort of understanding the differences between different sorts of players. You know, I I was teaching myself this stuff, and I was sitting there in in my bedroom at university working out what LILB and LOLB stood for. I had no idea. I couldn't Google it because uh, Google barely existed. So it was just really difficult learning that stuff. And the more I learned, the more I learned. And you know now. Now, hopefully, I like to think I'm at a position where I I can help in overall understanding of, of defense by breaking down what different schemes do and, and how much teams use different things and stuff like that, you know, rather than the basic, oh, there are three, four defense and, and they, they do this on early downs and then switch to this on third down. A, a lot of those things are just wrong and simplistic and silly. Um, so with, at the risk of massively blowing my own trumpet and pretending I'm something I'm very much not It's the the complexity, and it is learning more about it. And I like the intellectual side of how it all comes together. I think it's endlessly fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a game. It's cool. It's like as basic as it is, it's always going to change, right? Because there's going to be somebody that has a new idea or somebody that wants to try something different to see if it'll work to see. I mean, just because you can, I mean, like you might come across this player that just gives you an opportunity to do something you've never had the ability to do before. And you're like, Hey, we're going to do that now. Right. So the game is endlessly giving and what you can learn from it for yeah. sure. So when you're, when you're not doing football awesome. all the time, Tom, uh, or even, it, yeah, the trends are very cool. It's interesting to see how long they can last, right? Like, because they get beat up pretty badly sometimes. You know, like the Wildcat <laughs> disappeared after a little while. Yep. Uh, you know, like, they like there's just interesting things. Like, it almost looks like Belichick's going to bring back the two tight end concept in New England, right? So, it's going to be interesting to see some things this season to see what takes place. Yeah, I mean... I I can't
1: wait to see what the NFL does in terms of defending RPOs this year because RPOs have been you know, probably the biggest defensive trend for the last two or three years um, and and they've been enormously effective. So all all the defensive minds are out there going, well, how can I take those away and and how can I specifically drill players to respond to them better? I think we're going to see that this year, hopefully a lot more than we did last year. Should be cool. (laughs)
0: That'll be awesome because that's the most annoying play, right? It's like it ruins everything. You can't pass rush. You can't do anything because it's like two seconds and it's over, you know, so it's it's a terrible thing. But so when you got free time, Tom, uh, what's a podcast you listen to?
1: oh great question um i mainly just listen to football podcasts uh to be honest so i I commute an hour each way to to work when when i'm not working from the office so you can see me in here so i listen to a lot of football uh podcasts and and my favorite one i'm gonna go for pff uh football podcast actually so you know i'm i'm an early pff adopter i was i was following them back when it was free and it was just really badly designed and a handful of people knocking stuff together so i very much appreciate their views on football and how they think it works I don't agree with them everything. I I think they have some things wrong and some disagreements with them. Um, But I, I think they are independent and interesting. Um, and in the area of football, I particularly love defense. There is a lot of tendency for even mainstream figures to sort of churn out the same nonsense platitudes over and over again. We talked about Leonard Floyd being heralded as a great pass rush earlier. And and these things are just wrong. But to be fair, people in the media and the companies don't spend a lot of time on it because fans don't want it and they don't care. They're not interested in it. So they, they don't have any incentive to learn and get better. I think PFF are really good on the defensive side and they're very good at analyzing and, and understanding which players are good and what good looks like on defense.
0: Yeah, for me, the uh, like the big network guys, it, I don't take what they say very often, right? Because it's like, how much of it are you really watching? You can't if this is what you're doing. You're on TV all the time. You're doing show after show after show. How much are you really able to watch the game to really tell me what's going on? Other than you looked at a few clips and were like, yeah, so this is what's taking place. And it's like, well, no, that's what took place on three plays that you looked at, um, but that's not what took place in the whole game. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I so agree. let me ask you this, Tom, I uh, There was a the game last year. Yeah. Close yeah
1: sorry i was going to pipe up and talk about a specific player so i was watching one game last year and you know the little uh talking head box thing when they introduce a defense this is our starting defense and it sort of names them um and i was watching the raiders and they went yeah lamarcus that right, right. strong safety i was like have you watched the raiders play he's been in the slot for like a year and a half and he's absolutely not that you just don't
0: know what it what that means <laughs> Yeah, those those are always the worst. Half the time they de- they don't have the guy even close. It's like, see, so did anybody even bother to look at this before you let this guy spit it out and say it that this is completely so wrong? Weird. But they so don't weird. care. People aren't there for that half the time. I mean, realistically.
1: Yeah, exactly. So no one cares. No one notices. So it only matters to people like us.
0: So let me ask you uh, last question, Tom. Last question, Tom. What is one play or like player or like just a flag or something that you were just like sticks with you that just, you remember when you're thinking back to just like, Oh, that was a terrible player. This player had a terrible season or just like that flag was the worst thing ever. What's something that sticks with you? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to go for the obvious answer for this one. And I'm, I'm sure it's, well, I, I suspect a lot of people think about it, but the funniest and the most amusing and just terrible bit of football that summed up a really badly run organization is butt fumble. So staying with the AFC East theme, the butt fumble play is just endlessly amusing. It's probably the play I watch most um, in the history of the NFL, because it just makes me giggle. It was so badly done. It was just a terribly put together play, which was executed really badly, by a team that put all their faith in in Rex Ryan who you know could build a defense but clearly couldn't lead an organization I know they got a couple of AFC title games um, but Fumble just, just sums up how badly that Jets team was unraveling um, and I, I find it endlessly amusing. <laughs>
0: You no, in and, and me being an AFC East guy, I absolutely love that play as well, right? The only thing that was negative about all that was we ended up getting Rex Ryan for a few years, right? That was the only part that really <laughs> yeah. sucked about it, is we ended up getting him, and he was not a good head coach. I mean, it's just flat, plain and simple, well, he, he was just he brought not, head, he was not a good head coach. Not a head coach <laughs> yeah, not a good, yeah, neither of he them. He did were. have that sweet Bill's truck, though. That was amazing. <laughs> that's right and that and i think finally the jets have rebounded it took them all the way up until probably like 2 years ago before they've actually like turned a corner where they might actually start being competitive and do something right for a change
1: so. Ah, oh, man, I hope so. So every offseason, I started out being a, a fan of one team, and, and I realized that it's much more fun for me personally to not be a fan and just follow the sport. Um, so every offseason, I go into it, and I, I really want the bad teams to get much better, and in particular, the teams that have been bad for a long time. So I'm strongly cheering for the Jets and the Jags, and the Raiders to somehow turn themselves around. Now, the Raiders are clearly not going to because, man, that's a badly run organization. But, but hopefully the other two, I mean, we might see some sparks. I probably can't see it with the Jags either. But you're right. The Jets are really interesting. You look at their roster and you look at the way they're building their team and, and the coaching appointment and think, I, I can see how this could work. Now it's the Jets, so it's not going to. Obviously, it's going to go horribly wrong in an embarrassing and funny ways. But I, you, you can look at it and go, I might be sitting here in a year thinking you're on the right track
0: yeah i do i agree with that because i i think the gm is good i think it, it's uh joe douglas right as the gm over there now i think he's good i think he's making some wise moves and he's making some good decisions to at least get more players there because that's all they've really been lacking is more quality players i mean they just don't have depth anywhere but
1: yeah i mean the cornerback is is particularly funny if you look at look at that group of cornerbacks they're all day three draft picks who have never really been very good and that is a serious worry and the Jets haven't had a good pass rusher for 20 years so uh, there are some problems but hopefully Robert Zalik can at least uh, install some sort of good defense and he's a good coach.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm okay with two wins a year. If they come <laughs> easily, that's that's okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. So if they don't want to get it together, we can stay this we can stay this path. I'm okay with that too. But, Tom, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, when I reached out, I was a little stunned that you are like, yeah, I'd love to do it. I was like, all right, sweet. This is going to be like a major nerding out session talking about defense. So it was going to be a blast. And I, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that uh, you want to shout out or anything you're working on or anything you want to tell people about? Anything- or
1: anything you want to tell people about? Um, well thank you for having me on, firstly. Um, I spent a lot of a lot of years sort of not really having people to talk to about football in the same way that I enjoyed it. So it's cool that I get to talk to people halfway around the world and, and have a good fun conversation. What I'm working on at the moment is, is just crafting um my projections really. So I every year I do detailed projections for every single defensive player in the NFL. It's so about a thousand players. It's quite complicated. There's quite a lot of stuff going on. Um, and obviously that takes months and months of trying to trying to make predictions and adjust sliders and all that sort of stuff. So I'll be posting quite a lot of that. Um, come and find me on Twitter. Um, you mentioned earlier the the handbook I put together of last year. Again, blowing my own trumpet. I think is interesting. I think it's good. Um, I think it gives you some tools to look at defense and sort of define what's going on in a few different ways. So I'm going to say, go read every slide. Uh, it's free. It's available. You can download it. You can keep it. Do whatever you want with it. Um, so just come and have a look at my Twitter account. It's my pinned tweet.
0: Yeah. And of course, all that stuff will be available for you guys in the show notes for how to connect with Tom. And it's going to be... Uh... a. <laughs> Uh, that document, I think you should go check it out. I mean, like you said, it's free, so it doesn't take anything but just clicking on it. And I think you're going to be stunned, especially if you like want to just know more about defense. Even if you don't want to look at all the team stuff, just go down to the appendix and really see about the breakdown of like how things are done and how it was kind of put together. And you'll probably learn more in just those few slides about the game than you have been watching it for 25 years. And you've been calling something something totally wrong right you know probably but so thanks a lot for coming on Tom uh, absolutely uh, everybody go check out his stuff it's it's really good I mean I think people miss about how important it is to like put numbers and really investigate into what's going on in the game, especially if you're doing fantasy and like things of that nature. I mean, you, you got to know numbers and you got to know about what's taking place. If you really want to be good at any of this stuff. So go check it out. Uh, thanks again, everybody for listening in though, you know, wouldn't have a show if there wasn't people listening. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, obviously you guys can find me over at the Buffalo nerd, everything I'm up to Tom. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And uh, make sure you guys go check out, you know, we'll have the cure CJ- CJD. All their uh, information will be available in the notes as well. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. You
1: just listen to the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out.